0: Hey, what's up everyone? This is Anthony. Welcome back to What's Next. I apologize that you guys can't hear Neil's angelic voice this week, um, so you're just going to have to get by with me for now, but let's get into it. We've got a real interesting episode here with uh, Alex Bubnov. He's a former gymnast out of the University of Michigan, and he actually had a short stint on the professional circuit over in Europe. Uh, This may not be surprising considering Alex was doing pull-ups before he could even walk. Now he's taken his movement science background, his gymnastics training, and he's applying all of that to the rapidly up-and-coming world of eSports. This whole interview is a huge learning experience. Um, Alex talks about the culture surrounding gymnastics, growing up, the intensity of that, and how that has kind of put him on this path. Um, It's also a huge potential to learn about eSports. So this is a big market, big consumer base that maybe some of us are not so familiar with. Um, Some of these tournaments in eSports for certain games are having multi-million dollar payouts, so a lot of opportunity there. Um, Alex reiterates a couple things throughout the interview. Um, The importance of taking risks is one of them, developing partnerships. Um, He also talks about his fears, some uncertainty that he has, but mainly the fact that he's constantly learning in an emerging field. in something that's new and on the rise and having the ability to pivot or adjust at any time. And what I really want you to listen for is despite the uncertainty and the risk is the optimism and conviction that you know Alex talks about this with. It really is motivating and um, it's something that we can all learn from. So sit back, relax, really open your minds to this episode um, because I know you're definitely gonna walk away having learned something new. So we'll see you guys next week, and I hope you enjoy this.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to What's Next with Alex Bubnov. Alex is a uh, former gymnast um, coming from the University of Michigan. This is our second Michigan alum we have so far. If you guys remember Haley, back um, a couple episodes ago, she played field hockey there. Um, Alex also, after Michigan, he went on to become a pro gymnast. And now he's in a very exciting and upcoming industry in esports. Alex, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So, talk to us just generally. You know, not a, it's not every day we get to talk to a collegiate and pro gymnast. Talk to us just about you coming up through high school, middle school, or when you realized that gymnastics was the sport for you. Uh, well, first of all, let me shout out to Haley and uh, and say go blue.
0: That's right. Um, and my you know, also do you know Haley, Alex. Do yeah, you know Haley? I, yeah, I know Haley. Oh, well, this is going to be wild when you guys connect and just, like, see yourself on what's next, like, three weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, actually, me and Haley
2: met uh, my freshman year. Um, Cool. But, yeah, so, I actually, I I don't know if I ever made a conscious decision. Uh, My parents put me in gymnastics when I was two because I just wouldn't stop, like, jumping on things, flipping off things, like... Climbing on stuff. Um, I did a, I did a pull up when I was five months old, and that was before I could walk. And then seven months started walking. Nine months started like climbing over the crib, and down, and going to my parents' room trying to like sleep with them. And then started riding a two wheeler at two years old. So at that point, my parents were like, you know, we gotta put the energy somewhere, and. Um, they put me in gymnastics and honestly I don't ever remember not doing gymnastics so um by the time I was four I was already starting to compete so um it's just kind of been there forever and it's it's not just a piece of me it's kind of like all of me if that makes any sense
0: Alex can you uh can you just expand a little bit on the culture of gymnastics I think we kind of read about it Sometimes in the media, but maybe not get the full the full story of the intensity and um, you know what it entails to take it to the next level collegiately. I mean, I think we just hear kind of these glam stories of like, like a phenom, like three year old, like kind of like you're saying. But what's the, what's the day to day come up of a gymnast look like? Yeah, for
2: sure. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, if you if you ask any. If you ask any high-level gymnast, you'll always hear the stories of, uh, "Oh, I used to do gymnastics when I was little," or "Oh, I used to, you know, do that with my my mom, my mommy, and me class, and this and that." Or, you know, I've heard it. I've kind of heard it all growing up. And every one of us as gymnasts have is, uh, "Oh, I used to do gymnastics." Um, and on it from a gymnast's perspective, it's kind of like, "All right, man, like." Yeah, like, I, I've also been to the park, you know, that, that's just kind of like the equivalent of you <laughs> doing gymnastics compared to what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. It's a very, very under-supported sport um, in our country, at least I'll say. Um, a lot more so support on the women's side, definitely very little support on the men's side. Um, so... I'll speak, you know. I'll speak at least from the men's perspective. Um, it was always interesting growing up because everybody has so many of their own opinions on what gymnastics is. Everybody perceives, as a, perceives it as a little girlish, or um, you know, oh, do you do the splits? Can you, do you do the beam? You know, um, so there's a, a gross misunderstanding of what gymnastics is in this country, and a lot of gymnasts will tell you that it was pretty annoying growing up. Uh, because we poured our heart and soul into it every single day from when we were really, really, really little. And, and like kids around us are just playing around in the playground and, and, and doing whatever after school and hanging out with friends and, and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, as young as like five, six, seven years old, and we're ready at that point thinking about the Olympics, uh, especially girls um, between, between seven and 10 years old for a girl, they are, you would already know if they are Olympic worthy or not. So, um, that's incredible. No one's even hit puberty yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, there's quite a lot that's going on in the daily life of a gymnast that they're having to think about very, very consciously and specifically. That um, I wouldn't say no other sport has to do. I just think, um, from my experience, it's one of the earlier ones. Um, like you, if you haven't started gymnastics at a very early age, you, you kind of can't really jump into it at a high level mm-hmm. because of all of the, uh, development, um, neurologically and physiologically that it takes. So, um, you know, what am I eating? When am I sleeping? How much am I eating? How much am I sleeping? How did I feel after I ate this? You know, I went into the gym and, um, I felt really sluggish today or I feel really good today. Um, And then, you know, you always have gym class in school, and uh, we're always thinking about that too, you know? Oh, well, we have all this stuff going on, but I also have a four-hour practice later on, plus my homework, plus, you know, trying to be a normal kid. Um, So, and a lot of kids will train maybe six times a week. You know, I train five times a week, Monday through Friday, uh, 5.30 to 8.30, and that was like my life, literally until I graduated high school. and so I think around middle school, like end of elementary to beginning of middle, and then maybe even in high school, other uh, other sports are starting to get serious for kids. You know, they've decided or make or are trying to think about it now. Am I going to commit myself? Am I not going to commit myself? Um, I always had to at a ve- from a very early age make those decisions because I wanted to do I wanted to do ice hockey really bad. I wanted to do track really bad. I was really fast growing up and. Um, I had to think about those those sports affecting my gymnastics career in sixth grade. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, because at that point it had been years already of me developing. Um, and anytime you bring on another sport, um, or, or physical task that requires a lot of, um, uh, that puts a lot of duress on your body, essentially. Um, you know, you are prone to injury. Something that gymnastics gave me, um, because of that was the ability to make critical decisions um at a from from a much earlier age if that makes any sense
0: yeah dude i mean that's that's an incredible culture i i know just from some of the research i've done in uh like sociology and psychology and things like that about sports specialization um we always talk about like how we, we really need to move away from that for a lot of developmental reasons. I feel like gymnastics is the only sport that doesn't subscribe to that. Like you have to specialize in gymnastics.
2: Yeah. It requires so much, you know, because there's so many, there's multiple events, right? And each event, I mean, you even have some people that are just event specialists, right? Mm-hmm. That spend their whole lives just for one event. And then everybody else is doing four uh, for girls or six for guys, right? So guys, 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 um, have two more entire events that's, that's like half of what the girls do on top of what they already do. Right. For example, um, that are all sorts of different disciplines. You know, you have, you have to be, uh, incredibly good at balancing. You have to be quick. You need to be super strong. You need to be flexible. You need to be, um, smart because, the thing that's flying through the air is you. So when it goes wrong, and most of the time it goes wrong, you need to make the decision like that, or you know, you really hurt yourself, or you could technically die too. I mean, there have been deaths, of, of course. Um, but like when you have split second decisions like that, I mean, these are little kids making these decisions. You know, when I coach, when I coach little girls. I have a nine-year-old doing some pretty serious stuff. I expect her to know what to do in a scenario when things go wrong. Will I be there as a coach to try and like catch her? Yeah, of course. But you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes at, at some point they're going to be by themselves on that stage, and they have to make the decision. They're the ones controlling the vehicle, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's it it definitely like combines so many different. Pieces of of sport, um, in ver- in a very unique way. That I think it really does require quite a bit of specialization, like you're saying.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny uh, when we were talking before we uh, before we got on the interview. You were you were saying how you dedicated your life so much gymnastics that you didn't even know like other high school kids like went out to parties. Like that's such that's such yeah. a bizarre concept. I think for some people to hear like. You were so engrossed in your sport that you were just like, "Oh wow!" Other 15, 16 year sixteen-year-olds are like going out and stuff. To college,
2: uh, college changes uh, your mindset. You <laughs> you definitely want to be like a college student and you want to have fun. And we definitely did indulge in in in, uh, in the regular collegiate life, but at the same time, we also have to balance it with absolutely everything else. Just like any other college athlete, of course. Right. 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 But yeah, man, like, in growing up in, in high school, like, when I found out, like, maybe 10th grade or 11th grade, people were, like, partying and drinking, and I'm like, holy crap, I had no idea, like, and when I go home from school, like, I, even when I'm in school, I already am thinking about practice, like, this is what I'm going to be doing today, like, I need to improve on this, I need to fix this, like, blah, 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 like, it's all scheduled to the minute, you mm-hmm. know, because each minute, like, really does matter. And, um, and that's assuming that you're in a perfect mental state to be able to do what you need to do every minute, you know, like on top of all of it, you have homework and stuff that nobody, nobody really wanted to like go home and yeah, I want to do my homework. I'm super stoked. Um, I,
0: I mean, gossip, so. like a, a gymnast has like family issues or like, you know, there's other stuff actually going on in their life. Like how do you even, how do you balance that at any capacity?
2: right yeah and and any athlete has to think about those things you know and Mm -hmm. but i think that the unique aspect here again is is just the requirement of such a discipline at a much earlier age Mm -hmm. and i think that's where it really separates it
1: you know as you're talking about the work ethic and the dedication you're obviously chasing you know your vision you're trying to chase your vision as an athlete and you know for us you know tone and gary and i when we play baseball you know our ultimate goal obviously is to go play professional baseball so Obviously it doesn't happen for all of us, right? It's a small percentage who get to go to the next level, but for a gymnast, right, I think it's 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 obvious that the ultimate goal is to make it to the Olympics, right? Yeah. But then but yeah. right, then you but then you play professionally. So talk to us like about what the professional career track is and like the likelihood of making it professional for those For sure. You know yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, I I always envied other sports because of their, one, ability to do other sports simultaneously, and two, the actual existence of a professional league of any sort, right? Like, right? Gy- gymnast's, gymnast's ultimate goal is the Olympics. Why? Because that's the only thing that there is. Mm-hmm. There is no professional league of gymnastics in America. So growing up, you have nobody to look up to other than the people that are in the Olympics, and usually that's international. Um, and then two... Y- You know, like, that's why I was so unplugged from from high school. And, like, you know, everyone's, like, all about these varsity sports and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, he lettered here and he lettered, you know, he did this. Or he came in, you know, whatever place in the region uh, or or the section, you know, of the state. And we're thinking on global levels at that point, you know. Like, I already know where I stood nationally. I already understood where I stood globally in my age groups at that point. So, um, and the only reason I'm thinking that is because, that's that's all there is, you know? There is no professional... Like, what I have definitely thought... If there was professional gymnastics, dude, that would have been so cool. And then when I found out there was, it only exists in foreign countries. It doesn't ha- it doesn't exist in the U.S. So, like, Germany has one, Italy has one, France has one. Um, I don't know of too many others where they do uh, leagues like that, because uh, all three of those have... include uh, gymnasts at the top, top, top levels from all sorts of countries. Um, tier one German league is is like the most sought after. You have British gymnasts in there, you have Ukrainian, you have Russian, you have Bulgarian, you have Romanian, you have US, you have obviously German. So um, that's probably like, to, to actually have gone and done that was like the coolest thing. Like now right. I can say I went pro and And at that point, that I was doing it, gymnasts that were even better than I was at that time didn't even know that they could do that. So they're not even looking, you know? Right. So it's like that
1: completely
0: hidden market. Yeah.
1: Right. It's like that question of you know the what's next question, right? For you have to think about that so much sooner as a gymnast because there isn't like that goal of getting to the major league baseball or the NFL or NBA, right? You got to think about okay, I made it to college. No, correct me if I'm wrong, but I made it to college. I'm a Division one athlete, like now that would next? be that would be our equivalent of going pro
2: exactly in america
1: right. so so whereas when we like when I can speak for myself, like when you get to when I got to college, it's like Division one athlete, what's next? oh, I'm gonna keep playing baseball, obviously, I'm gonna try to, but for you, it's like what's next? let's figure it out much sooner, right, yeah, yeah, No,
2: and it was uh it was a tough like crossroads to come to senior year i i kind of didn't uh you have a question in there earlier uh, or uh, later on in your in your thing of like what would you say to a junior senior like man i didn't even i didn't think about it honestly i don't know why like i'm not like if i was telling anybody else i would have told them to think about it but i didn't think about it right so like senior year it's coming to a close and i'm like Oh shit, like I'm about to salute for my, the last routine I'll ever do, ever. Like I'm standing in the arena, like this is it. And I'm like, fuck dude, this is the last, this is it. That just like that, like in one minute, it's gonna be done, you know? And, um, and at that point, the only question becomes there's three, there's three main questions in the US. Will I make US senior team, uh, senior national team? do I have a chance at making a world championships? Do I have a chance at making the Olympics? Usually, uh, the first one, senior national team, is plausible for some people, depending on the year, uh, the way, just the way that things work out. But, but the only other two questions are, am I good enough to make a world team? Am I good enough to make an Olympic team? And how many people do they choose for that? Right. Like, five. You know, right. so... Um, usually the answer is no. So then you're like, well, okay, uh, now what? And, right. and then that's it. So, um, yeah, but I would say like the the college scene, that's, that's the coolest. Like people, like I always dreamed of going and being on a, a collegiate team. And I had guys in my gym that every year, like the seniors, the older guys, we call them the older guys, would go off to college and I, I was fortunate my gym was very good at producing collegiate gymnasts like year after year after year for like 30 years in a row and um i had a lot of knowledge of like what it was like because they would come back and they would they'd be wearing like their varsity jackets and they would just like look they would be good they would go to college and get super good so it was like oh shit i really want to make a college team that was the number one goal Um, other than Olympics you know Olympics is is a dream right so
0: Alex let me uh, let me transition a little bit here so you're still at Michigan can you just talk about what you were studying your academics what you what was kind of outside of gymnastics what were your interests um, looking at that side of it
2: Uh, so I went to school for movement science under the department of kinesiology Um, And I got into that because, I mean, I've always been fascinated by the body. I think that gymnastics definitely had a big play in that. Um, It's such a unique connection, like we said before, of mind, body, and and spirit, honestly, that um, it was interesting to me. I always had to go to – I always had to take care of my body – like every day, every week. And my family is is Russian. So the way that I took care of myself was very, let's say wasn't in like in line with standard medical, uh, Western practices. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and on top of that, my mom growing, up, my mom has a broken back since she was like 13. Um, it's like some broken discs in the lumbar area. And so she's tried, like, everything that could possibly ever exist to try and help this, like, energy doctors, like, acupuncture, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. And I would see it. And, I, it, you know, it was interesting, like, I, I don't, like, necessarily believe one thing is better than the other. I think it depends on the person and the situation. But it exposed me to a lot of that kind of healing stuff, I would say. And that's where I went into movement science and, like, focus on the body. Um, But other interests, I actually uh, DJed throughout college. Um, I ended up being a resident DJ at a nightclub in Ann Arbor. (laughs) That's uh, Nice. Opened up for some big acts there, like uh, Blaster Jacks, Audion, uh, Mako,
0: people like that. There's definitely definitely a uniqueness there of you studying uh, movement science, kinesiology, things like that. And it being a direct, direct line of like action and effect on your body for your sport. Like I'm just thinking of, you know, no shame on other majors or other fields, but if you're, you know, a marketing major or whatever, and you play basketball, like you're really searching for a connection. Like there's set two worlds for you essentially while you're in college until, you know, maybe you merge it later, but for you, um, you know, you're studying your own body, essentially, and you're putting it into practice, kind of. Yeah,
2: it did feel like that, too. Uh, The more I learned in school about how what we do every day works, you know, when you look at somebody walking down the street, there is so much shit going on inside of them. It is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. When I started learning that, I walked into the gym and I looked around and I'm like, yo, I don't even know how this is going down (laughs) right now. (laughs) So it was cool. It it fed back and forth. Actually, it made me more interested in both both things uh, because it made me understand how unique gymnastics is from an internal perspective, and then it also made me just really appreciate all sport and all all things in the body. Um, and uh, then I had a tangible way to think about what what's going on in class. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're talking about these processes. You know, when this happens in this sport or whatever, like. This is this is what it is, it's looking like on the inside. So sure, it was cool. Sure.
0: Yeah, it's real time, real time theory and lab work, but like on yourself. That's that's, yeah. that's really unique. Yeah. Um, let's 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 keep going in that direction towards your latter years of college, and then um, you know we kind of talked about that. What's next piece? How it hits home for a gymnast way sooner than everybody else. Take us um take us right up to your senior year, right out of college. You're getting uh, looking for for a job, you're trying to figure out what your career path's going to be, um, take us to that point and then eventually into your first job and we'll go from there. For sure. Um, I, I would say, so
2: right out of school, I, I got a coaching position. I got a head coach job of a team of about 80 girls ranging from five years old to like 17 years old.
0: So this Uh, is like like a club organization kind of thing?
2: It, it was a club, yeah. Okay. It was a club, maybe twenty minutes outside of Ann Arbor, so it was close, but it was far enough away that like, um, it was no longer the college life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was women's gymnastics. So I would say, I would say one thing here, um, like growing up, I never thought I would be a coach. I actually like looked down on that as I was growing up. You know, like oh man, I would never. Like, like I feel like if I came out of college and I became a coach. That would have been like a total waste, essentially, right? And for if I can like say anything to anybody out there, I would say don't look at it like that because being a coach is my mo- my most favorite and honestly, so far the most challenging position that I've ever had to do because a coach is everything to the kid. It's the psychologist. It's the it's the motivator. It's the one. That's the person that's actually, depending on the age that you work with them, you're synthesizing their their direct passion for what they're doing in that sport, and that's that's integral to the to the longevity of any sport anywhere. Um, so I would say uh, I really actually ended up liking coaching because I had to wear so many different hats, and I think maybe as it because I was a gymnast growing up, like I always had trouble just doing one thing. It was like I have to do everything all the time, you know. Um, so I became a coach out of, at a school, but again, like I just said, uh, I ended up doing two more things on top of that. So, um, I coached women gymnastics for a year at the same time I was shadowing at a PT office. And ironically, um, one of the five-year-old girls on my team ended up being, uh, Mike Barwis' daughter. So that's how we connected And we, like, hit it off right away. Me and him just kind of, like, think about the body and all that stuff the the same way. And it was really cool. Um, And then he just kind of took me under his wing and started mentoring me um, for that next year. Uh, So I would just go in and out, like, kind of whenever I could. um, And got to work with, uh, um, you know, pro athletes, Olympic athletes, um, and then injury recovery program stuff. So um, that's where... That that was the whole one year, uh, May to May essentially uh, after graduating. Very then, very
0: very cool piece right there. If I could comment on that, how you're talking about coaching, like you kind of just like had this thing about it. You know, it's not it's not the end for you. It's not the pinnacle. It's not the dream. You know, you do it. Opportunities there, and it turns out to be your you know your, your connection into your, your work at Barwis, which has been which has been huge. So that's kind of cool how that how that fell you do something you don't necessarily think you want to do but maybe it feels like it's the right thing to do at the time and then like a great connection comes out of it and great opportunity
2: yeah and yeah you- i would say like r- real quick to like add on to that to just like put a message out there for someone who needs it whenever they need it uh just move if you're standing still like you'll never get anywhere if you move like you can at least pivot you can go wherever you need to go
1: very cool i like that Tell us, some, I mean, for, for some of the listeners that may not know, um, tell us some stories about Barwis, or maybe one story, because we know he's an animal, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, he he is an animal. Uh, I man, I have nothing but love for Mike, um, and he has nothing but love for the whole world too. So uh, it was really cool. Like, I've actually never had an never had an idol like growing up. Uh, until I met Mike. Mike is probably the only idol I've ever had in my life uh, because I don't know how that guy does it but he just does everything and he does it the right way and he he makes the right impressions on everyone he meets and that's probably taken a lot of work but uh, it's also definitely uh, like who he is. But I just, I don't know, I don't know if I have any like crazy stories uh, I definitely have a couple, but I don't think I I'm allowed to in, talk about those. The, the
0: appropriate.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, save, we'll,
0: save, we'll save those for after. Don't worry about that. It's cool so, that your uh, first <laughs> boss then becomes uh, becomes your idol. You don't always hear that kind of story. You know, people hate their boss usually.
2: Well, actually, I, well, Mike was never my boss. It was more of a of like a friendship. Like I never worked officially for him until okay. right now um and in this regard we kind of partnered so mm-hmm. um it was i know what you mean though yeah it it was cool like uh i never thought that taking that girls gymnastics coaching job would like lead me into meeting like one of the greatest strength and conditioning coaches ever you know what i mean and then catapulting that like way 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 back, later on um i kind of actually always felt like i maybe in a way owed him a debt, you know, like he took me under his wing and showed me all this cool stuff and, and he was really awesome about it. And, uh, kind of ever since I've been looking, I've been like waiting for the right thing to, to give back his way, like call him up and say like, Hey, I have something for you. Um, so I finally got that opportunity a couple months ago and, uh, that's why we're, you know, that's why I'm here working for, uh, for his company. And, um,
1: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the work you're doing now to the extent that we can talk about it. Um, yeah. but it, we were talking about this before we got on, like it is such a unique and fascinating industry. Um, and so if you can, like, can you just tell everybody what it is, um, how we can relate to it, how, where you see it going and what you specifically do, um, on the job and how you're going to try to promote this new industry of esports. Yeah,
2: for sure. Um, well, I'll say that I created my own job. So, um, <laughs> for anyone else out there, think it up if you can make it happen. Back it up, and then it's real. So, wait, that. let's sit.
0: Th- let's sit there for a second, if we can. You created, like, you created your own position, your own job, like in a, a budding field. Like, were were you in a place where you were just like, nothing's going right for me, or like, I need to do something more or better? Like, how did that? How did that come to the surface?
2: literally uh wow um yeah man uh I kind of like lost everything honestly uh I lost my job I lost where I was living uh I lost uh not that it matters but like like my friend um but it was a very transitional like time and it was like April May right so um and, and those are like all for different reasons, right? You know, like I say lost, but, uh, like it was like, it was all there, but then it, it wasn't right for, for different reasons. But, um, it was, it was at that moment that I was like, all right, so when I have nothing, now here I am sitting with nothing. Uh, I need to make a decision. Right. And at that point I had, I want to say a month and a half of, of, uh, like work or, or some kind of like pre-existing knowledge of eSports or whatever it is uh, I randomly walked into a coffee shop one day um, and saw a lady sitting there with a twitch sweatshirt on and working at her computer and I gave her a, a card and um, that was related to uh, to the drink startup drink company I was working with and um, she hit me up two days later and invited me to a, to a barbecue at a studio in Huntington Beach. And that's when I met all of the uh, founders of, of the esports studio that I'm engaged with right now. Um, and ever since then, we've kind of just been like talking about this concept. And um, it was really cool. And that's when I hit Mike up and left him a message and was like, hey, man, give me a call back. I have something really cool. And ever since then, it's just kind of been developing. So there was like some some – uh, persisting like groundwork there. And then kind of like lost everything. And at that point I was like, all right, I have something developing. So either I'm going to find someone else that I'm going to work for and take shit from forever for another five to 10 years, or I'm just going to say, fuck it, take a leap of faith and go all in, um, on this venture. And, <laughs> I already knew that I hated working for other people, so um, because everyone's complacent and I I can't like stand it. Everyone moves too slow, so I was like, all right, I'm going in, and I basically took the unemployment hit for like two three months and uh, worked my ass off on on researching the space and developing these concepts and making these network connections within the industry and essentially pitching to borrowers you know, a proposed structure for what this all looks like. Um, what would having a division in esports look like for you? Um, how is it going to work? What does that really entail? All this stuff. Um, so like making up my own job and convincing people that they should let me do it for their franchise essentially. Right. And so, uh, it worked one day <laughs> and, uh, and at that point I was like, all right, cool. Like it's all it was all like worth it at this point. Um, like something came out of nothing and uh and yeah. But it was it was that moment, it was that decision of of it was a very clear two paths, like I'm either taking this or I'm taking a path that I mean we all already know kind of what it looks like, you know, and that goes for all of us, you know. Right. It seems servantile in your
0: head if you take that other path. Yeah. It's super super cool circle of life there kind of. You're like a stray dog at a coffee shop, you just drop <laughs> you drop a card and then and then you're calling back Mike Barwis to just make this partnership like just kind of just went zero to one hundred.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that was nuts. It was like total it's still crazy. I still can't <laughs> believe it, you know. So the job so,
1: it, so the job itself, right? Um, just educate us a little bit on you know are, are we are you training the mind and the physical skills of an esports athlete and then again also what is an esports athlete like who is your typical consumer or your customer that you're going to be serving
2: well i'll say well let me break down esports first real quick sure. because sure, yeah. um you know i mean even i i didn't know what the hell esports was seven months ago you know so right, right. um the best way I could put it is think about athletics and think about esports and parallel them, right? When I say I'm an athlete, it's not normal for somebody to say, "Oh, so that must mean that you play baseball, hockey and soccer and football." That me- they're probably already thinking they specialize in one sport. Now, I've heard it so many times, oh, "I'm a professional esport athlete." "Oh, what games do you play?" Well, a game would be rival to a sport. So, an esports athlete specializes in one game because that is their quote unquote sport so to speak so um there's so many games but there're also so many sports right and those are those cover a wide spectrum of uh interest of uh participation of um financial support you know whatever whatever you want to say like look at gymnastics right there's like nothing there for gymnastics um from the men's side at least let's say right but but gymnastics is a sport so is football at football you know you could be working as hard as you do in football as hard as this gymnast and this guy's making like 50 million dollars more than this person over here you know so it is exactly the same in esports um there are games that nobody really cares about from a from a market consumer standpoint but then there are also a couple games where you're making big bucks. You know, you look at Dota 2, the total prize pool for Dota 2 in one season, in one year, is like 150 million or something like that. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Dota 2 had the international. So that's like their big tournament. That's the ultimate one. It's called the international. Um, team Liquid, actually a North American team, uh, took home, I want to say like. Tw- between 15, $20 million total. So, like, wow. each of their players just became millionaires. So, <laughs> you know, they're just clicking, clicking uh, mouses and, and buttons. So, um, but, and this is where I would segue, like, but is that all they're doing? You know, like, what are they doing? Why is this worth millions? Really? Well, well, yeah, his fingers are clicking, but what is his brain doing? You know, his brain is processing, like, literally mythical creatures and physics in in addition to real-time like physics that are that are on his body right so um if you look at only the mental if you just pretend what is the brain doing in any sport you know you look at a linebacker like he's reading all these things right he's reading that 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 and he's also thinking about how he's going to react to each of those things. And he has an ultimate objective on top of all of that, right? So his neural input-output is very complex. At the same time, you look at an easy athlete and uh, I wouldn't say it's too much different. The only thing it's different is you have a very specific and finite uh, channel of output that it's going to, which is your upper extremities. But neurologically speaking, I mean, their eyeballs are moving, they're processing information in real time, they have to create strategies, they have an overall objective, they have teammates they need to communicate with, they need to be on the same page with, so they are doing similar things, you know, Um, it's just very, it's different, you know, it's uh, very unique. Um,
0: Alex, how do you... um... How do you get to the athlete, or how does the athlete get to you? And then, what does that what does that look like? Are you in a gym space? Are you in a lab? Are you in front of a screen? Do you go to them? Do they come to you? How does this whole How does this whole transaction work? So,
2: what what I've done so far, I've worked. Uh, like I worked my first esports event that I worked was uh, Rocket League World Championships, and Rocket League is a is a new game on the rise. It's uh, got like over thirty million players already. It's about two years three years into its development. Um, And that is supported by Twitch and Psyonix. Um, And it actually, Rocket League was just partnered in some way uh, with WWE, um, which was cool. Um, And what I did at that event is I was essentially there for, like you brought up earlier, Anthony, like a performance support kind of, you know, And, and that was in any regard it was very open i mean at that point that was my first one i had never been in esports. nobody else had ever seen like someone like me in their space and uh it was very much a um a recon mission so to speak it was it was like looking at what the hell is this like what's going on you know i was right in the heart of the top 30 players in the world in this game and um they're just They're just kids, you know, and came from different backgrounds. Like there was a 15 year old kid, for example, that came from Africa, um, who his parents didn't even know he played video games until the moment that he actually made a world championships and he had to explain to his parents that he had to somehow get to L.A. for world championships and he had a chance to win like hundreds (laughs) of thousands of dollars. And his parents did had no idea what to do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's great, dude. (laughs) I mean, it could be worse, I guess. It could be worse. <laughs> yeah, right?
2: Yeah. And, and so, like, I I mean, like, shoot, I never even thought about that. You know, you can't secretly go become a professional baseball player or, or any other kind of athlete in secret, and uh, <laughs> your parents just, like, don't know about it somehow. Um, yeah, sure.
0: It's it's a nice quote when you see it, like, uh, when people post it, like, train in silence or, like, whatever it is. But don't take it literally, dude. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? So, you know, but for him, for example, you know, he he actually approached me um, during the championships and was like, how do I handle like the pressure? Like, are there any techniques to like being able to deal with the pressure? Because this kid's been playing in secret in his room for who knows how long. And now he has to go up on his stage in front of a sold-out, you know, they sold the Wilter now at, in L.A., and there's 200,000 streamers uh, coming in online. How do I handle that? I'm 15. Yeah, major, I've never major, done
0: Major anxiety level there, just like as you could see in a lot of other sports, too, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, that's one aspect. Some players need just... Um, some tips on how can I deal with chronological postural issues. Um, Some of them just need a little flush, you know, to get their blood circulating. Half of them are almost at carpal tunnel, you know? Uh, So there's a lot of, there's like all sorts of avenues that can be taken for this. And and that's why I truly believe in this like concept because there's so much to be done that there's no way that nobody's going to do it you know right. and there's so much for everybody for so many people to do you know like I mean man there's sports psychologists that only deal with mentality but sport like breakdown sport there's so many pieces to sport you know so when you compare concepts from regular sport to esports esports is infantile and it, and it is it's in its infantile stage still um, at a competitive level So to, to say so um, actually I'll I'll go there really quick. Um, take, a, I don't know how much how much you guys know about like um, DJing or anything like that, but when mm-hmm. DJing, DJing like in the seventies, eighties, nineties was like almost a punk kind of scene. You know, it was like these people that would get into these rooms. You know, they go to these rooms uh, like on a Friday night or whatever, and there'd be like only a small group of people there, and it was like quote-unquote, the the outcasts of, like, the regular scene. And they were spinning these tables and, you know, they are spinning turntables and, and, and whatnot. And it's it was a very underground scene until, uh, like, you know, Insomniac and EDC started, like, pumping, you know, mainstreaming all of this. And now look at it. Um, you know, it's, like, everybody knows DJs. And DJs are, like, the craziest thing. It's so much said that it's already on the decline, if anything, right? At the same time, esports... Was in a similar stage. Um, you had people gathering in like underground rooms and playing like tournaments of Atari games and and uh, all all sorts of stuff. That was very, very hush hush hush. But only it was only hush hush because the people that were doing it like didn't fit with anybody else, and they knew that, and everyone else knew that, and they it was their thing. It was very much so their thing, and so um, now. I don't know if you've seen in the last couple months, like any articles coming out with different teams getting involved with esports. Um, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal has an esports team, Steve Aoki has an esports team, um, Ricky Lumpkin has, has has part ownership in an esports team. Um, you look at, I think Joe Montana is even getting involved with that. Um, then you look at like, uh, you know, look up some articles for uh, organiz- franchise organization owners. They're getting involved in esports, so um, it's this thing where, like, what happened to DJing coming out because these big entities are coming in and pouring money in, and they and they want to mainstream it. It's happening now to esports, so we're about to see something. We're about to see some crazy shit go down. There's,
0: there's a- going to be a blow up, dude. It seems like there's just so much room for growth, and just based on those few things you just mentioned, like it's just touching the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're on the, you're a pioneer in it. You're on the, you're on the front lines. Um, so I mean, with any, with anyone starting anything kind of like on their own or being the first to do it, there's, there's inevitable challenges. I mean, there's challenges Mm. when people start businesses that already exist, like you want to bottle your own salsa, like, okay, like, there's salsa everywhere, you know what I mean, or like something like that. A shoe company, right? like right. all that exists already. You're essentially doing something that doesn't exactly exist the way you foresee it. So, just talk to us about the the challenges that are either you're foreseeing um, in the future or that you've gone through already. Um, just getting off the ground here.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd say it's pretty lonely. Um, there's nobody you can talk to about it uh everyone that you you know for multiple reasons you you can't talk to people about it because they might steal your idea you can't talk to people about it because they might not understand it and then they're at a bar somewhere talking about it in new york city and some dude next to them who's happens to be a billionaire investor or whatever who has connections in this now he hears about it and that's that right um and then on top of it all, you can't talk to anybody about it because it's like, um, I don't know if you've got totally random tangent here, but have you ever seen Pleasantville um, with, like, t- Toby McGuire? No. <laughs> it's, it's essentially, like, it's it, 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 it's about, like, this town that it's all in black and white until, like, someone discovers color and then, like color starts popping up everywhere and then people are like going crazy like what the what the hell is this so like the, the what i was going to say is like it's like you can see color but you used to see black and white now you see color so you understand the change you through you understand what this is and what it used to be or what it wasn't and everybody else still sees black and white how are you supposed to explain you, every person you go to you need to somehow inception the belief of what you're even talking about, you know? So it's like, it's, uh, at some point, like you just want to be able to talk to someone about it that like gets it already instead of being the only one that gets it. And it's, it's, uh, it's like, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. I feel like I'm like trapped in my head, you know, like, um, now it's a lot better cause there's like, it's like moving, but the first couple weeks and first like couple months of this was like, Man, just like I, all of a sudden had this vision of like what the next thirty years could look like in this space, and like I can't tell anybody about it. So it was like, um, I would say, at the same time, it, it was daunting because it's like um, it's all on me in a way. Um, but then I kind of just took that and turned it into the to 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 the perspective of that's the coolest part, you know, I'm the, it, it is all on me. So, um, what I put in is what's going to come out. Just same regard. What I don't put in is what someone else is going to get done or will never be done. So, um, it's like the, no boundaries. A, yeah, it was like literally just like complete white space all over the place. So, and, and I'd never, I, I don't think I've ever been there before. Something like this happened. Um, but for anybody that's in a similar scenario or that's, um you know trying to pursue something that already is is a thing but like their support system does not believe in what they're doing for example it's a similar feeling of loneliness of being the only one that gets it so to speak of why you're doing this um and i would say that if you have that fire inside of you then it's real um yeah. and you should just listen to it um and i would i would not be discouraged by people that don't get it and are putting their opinion on it because they don't get it but i also wouldn't shut any of it out you know the more you listen the more i mean you don't have to do anything with what you hear you could hear it and that would be the end of it but if you, you never listen maybe you didn't hear something that could have helped you um you know in, in moving forward so um i would say <laughs> embrace the struggle is what I would say.
0: So so many so many cool things coming into play there. Cool, but also definitely a lot of uh, anxiety. Like, where's my next paycheck coming from? I'm out here alone. Like, but this and then you re- reframe it, and you're like, but this is what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to be my own boss. So, like, I got to answer yeah. my own questions and change my own, you know, mindset, um, so I could keep moving forward with this and not get discouraged.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, Alex, we want to kind of move into the. Home stretch here, so I want you to think back to yourself as a uh, as a junior, senior college athlete. If you could talk to either yourself as a your junior or senior, or talk to another collegiate athlete in that end of career phase, not gonna go professional maybe not super engaged in their major, or maybe maybe they are, but they don't know what to do next. Just what are some, some take-homes, some words of advice for them?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say make the most of what you have in front of you right now. Let that uh, make you forget that there's something after it. Um, I would separate it, because I know it's really hard to be thinking of what happened, um, and being in the moment is very important to your team around you and to uh, your building so don't let it fizzle out just because of something that's coming next i would say finish what you started and then take what you have learned and bring those pieces into the next chapter because uh you would be super surprised as to how prepared you actually are um being an athlete going into the next phase of your life
0: yeah, real good advice. Real good advice there. I mean, we often hear about people. I mean, literally trying to answer the "what's next" question, but like you're kind of taking it back a step. Like, be in those moments, you know, and kind of gather as much as you can from them because you're gonna you're gonna utilize it later, whether you know it now or or you don't. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think as athletes, we. Um, I think I saw some kind of a question about corporate world. Um, as athletes, I've seen so many people that don't fit with the corporate world, and that's because as athletes, we've had to always juggle so many different things, school, friends, family, uh, problems that you might be having, um, the actual sport and everything that comes with it. Um, So you've always, you know, your whole life, you've always had a whole bunch of stuff on your mind that's been, you know, that could have been weighing you down, but. Maybe you never thought about it as that because you were doing what you knew was right. You were in that sport and that was your path. And um, just break it down to the basic components of, of that. you know that's drive, that's passion and ambition. and that's um, the ability to to multitask really well. and that's the ability to, to actually analyze and understand in a, a multitude of, of pieces. Uh, simultaneously in your life so um, that's absolutely necessary and important in in later in life and in post athletics and I would say that um, you are ready for it you just don't understand the format yet because you've been living in one format your whole life and now you are going into a, a formless world where you get to shape that and that's kind of the coolest part just um take a second like understand your environment understand where you fit in your space and then you can let it fly because i think the biggest issue is the uh uh, so to speak calibration period of whatever space you end up falling into you you're just trying to get a lay of the land so get a lay of the land first like lay low get a lay of the land understand where you fit understand where you can make changes and how and then and then go,
0: and you will be surprised at how uh, easily it, it comes. No doubt, great, great stuff right there. Well, we're we're getting to the end here, but we want to know um, how can what's next? How can all of us on tonight? How can we help you? Is there a way for us to help you in your you know esports venture? or are we uh, are we signing off to keep that on the DL for now?
2: I would say, guys, keep doing your thing. I really like what you're doing. And I think that a lot of athletes are gonna find it really, really valuable. So, um, just keep plugging away, keep building, and I think, uh, I think it's gonna help a lot of people out. I wish that something like this existed when I was, you know, prepping to go to college.
0: What's next for you? This is something we ask to everyone that we interview because it's constant. Oh, okay, mystery. yeah. I- Constant question for anyone, regardless of if they're still in college, if they're in a career they like, you know, everyone's always thinking about what's next. So kind of um, what is next for, for you?
2: What's next? Um, getting this thing off the ground, getting it real, um, making it into a very, into a, a tangible thing that I can, you know, put out into, a, into like press releases, essentially. Um, I'm looking to make a really big impact and the esports community in a positive way. Um, I want to help them improve. I want to help them improve as as people, but I also want to show them that there is ways that you can, you can dominate in what you're doing. It just takes a, a certain mindset, and it takes diligence, and it takes um, some specific um, training focuses that uh, you would be surprised how much they could help you. Essentially, um, but yeah just growing what I started and making it real and 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 seeing how far I can take it essentially
0: very cool man kind of interesting it reminded me just when we were talking back about you studying at Michigan and kind of that what you were studying was theory and then your gymnastics was the practice and now like what your what's next is like taking the theory and putting it into more practice so kind of cool how that circled back yeah absolutely all right well that brings us to the end of the episode tonight just really want to thank alex for joining us he had a really cool story alex really glad you could join us tonight and we'll definitely uh reconnect i feel like there could be a part two of this later down the road when you're uh when you're doing big things in esports so hopefully we can connect down the road
2: absolutely thanks for having me on the show guys
0: thanks Appreciate so much it. alex all right alex take care man nice meeting you yeah you too guys Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I found a couple really cool things in there to walk away with myself personally. Alex is just so knowledgeable about his discipline and about his work. It feels like he's destined to just go out and do big things. Um, I love the direct translation of his studies to his sport. I thought that was pretty unique. Seeing what you do in class take shape literally a couple hours later in your athletic performance. Another thing that's come up a couple times in the recent weeks has been the importance of coaching. Um, Mignard Culpepper, who we had on, talked about that. Alex is talking about it. And it's funny because Alex really never saw himself uh, getting into coaching, but he's regarding it as one of the most important, um, challenging experiences that he's had, something that he's really, really enjoyed. And it also linked a major connection and opportunity for him down the line. So just goes to show you really never know where your work can take you, where life's going to take you. So like Alex says, be open, um, be able to pivot and adjust. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. If you can, share this, subscribe to What's Next, um, like the post on social media, and um, just keep giving us feedback if you can, because we really appreciate it. It's helped us grow our audience. It helped us make connections. And um, hey, check back in with us again because it seems like Alex is really on the forefront of something big with eSports, and we definitely want to hear about it. So thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time on What's Next.